0: Welcome to Download, a weekly look at the most interesting stories in the world of technology and other stuff that you care about. I am Jason Snell, your host as always, and I'm joined by two wonderful guests returning to Download. Michael Gartenberg, a longtime tech industry analyst. Welcome back to Download. Good to good to have you here. Thank you for having me, as always. And, of course, Michael Gartenberg, also former Apple employee. And so we have some Apple talk coming up. That'll be good. We, uh, I was in Chicago this week for a little thing. I went back to school. Um, we'll talk about that soon. Cicero Holmes is also here from the Spawn on Me podcast. Cicero, hey, welcome back.
1: Thank you very much. Thanks for having me.
0: It's great to have you on. Uh, Stephen Hackett, of course, is here. Download producer extraordinaire. Hi, Stephen. I like extraordinaire being added to my title. That feels... It feels fancy. I'm just feeling really generous and happy this morning. I don't know why. So there you go. Extraordinaire. Uh, no pressure. But uh, if you hear Stephen, he'll pop in when he's got something to say, maybe about Apple. So we should probably get down to it. These most interesting stories of the week that Stephen and I have chosen this week. Quite honestly, I was on planes and in cars and stuff going to and from Chicago. So uh, chosen by Stephen is the more accurate way to put it. Topic number one is the reason that I was moving around this week. Apple had an education focused event in Chicago on a high school stage. Apple introduced the new uh, 329 iPad model This time with Apple Pencil Support, updated iWork apps with Pencil Support, new Schoolwork app, uh, which is an app for assigning schoolwork, (laughs) great name, and everyone can create a new curriculum for teachers to help integrate apps like iMovie and GarageBand in a classroom. So Apple, uh, you know, iPad event, Chicago, this is the first kind of we love education event that Apple's done in a few years um uh, let's go to michael gartenberg you know you were inside the machine you've been an analyst outside the machine what's your what's your take on this event is this uh you know a a big deal or is it table stakes or is it apple doing the bare minimum to (laughs) to say that it likes the education market what how do you read this event and and what how it all ended up
2: well the answer to that is Yes.
0: Okay. Uh, <laughs> great. This has been the Download Podcast. Thanks, everybody. Goodbye. All, I, yeah, we're done.
2: We're done. You know, when Apple says, you know, music, it's DNA, it's education It's its DNA. And as, let's say, you go back to the Apple II and Oregon Trail and all of the things, uh, Reader Rabbit, all the things that made um, Apple synonymous with education. Um, education has not been kind to Apple um over the last few years. I remember sitting in a meeting um with the executive staff after the deal was closed with the Los Angeles school system. This was going to be like a, a multi million dollar deal that could go up to $1.3 billion deal that blew up. It was a disaster um in the LA school system sued Apple and I think recovered sixty four million dollars. You can check that online but I think it was sixty four million dollars and it was a disaster. Um, you know, the, the one thing that Apple had been pushing and going for was education. Education blew up. Um, so we saw kind of a reset, getting away from you know traditional curriculum, focusing on things like create, um, coding, music, um, video, and an attempt to take on Chromebook. And let's face it, Google's Chromebooks right now, hold, at least according to the last thing I read in the New York Times, something like around sixty percent of the education market. And that's market that Apple wants. I mean, this is the first time we've seen Apple in the education market fall to number three. We've got Google, we've got Microsoft and, you know, way back Um, we have Apple. So this was, we want to get back in the space. We want teachers to buy these things. We want schools to buy these things. We want parents to buy these things. We want kids to buy these things. And more importantly, we also want them to use Apple services like iWork um, and iLife because it's ultimately about services and it's really where Google has won.
0: Yeah, Google, I mean my my son has a is in a 1 to 1 middle school and they all use Google Classroom and that's the thing it's like it's not nobody's questioning Apple's ability to build great hardware. The issue with this is the price of the stuff makes it hard for schools to get into it and the services that Apple offers are limited and you know once once you go all Google you're reducing the differentiator between what you know what you can do with iPads and what you can do with Chromebooks and that's that's all Apple's got as a more expensive product what apple has is the argument that you you pay more but you get more and that they have to provide more for that to be real <laughs> cicero what do you, what do you think about uh apple and education and uh and uh cheap ipad I, I, you know what any any read on this uh this event this week
1: well well yeah of course i mean so the the first thing is well first things first jason you were in chicago you didn't say hello <laughs> It's you didn't true. Say, hey, let's grab some coffee. Nothing.
0: It was a whirlwind. It Jason, was a whirlwind. Jason, Jason, I was, I was there for manners? slightly more than twenty-four
1: hours, but yes. Uh. Terrible, terrible, terrible. But, but, uh, I digress on, on Next that time. point and shaming Jason. Um, uh, but, uh, you know, so it's, it's always great when, uh, technology companies, irrespective of who it is, uh, looks at, at education and, and the focus to education, you know, uh, uh, as, as Michael was talking about before, you know, I remember being a kid and playing on trash eighties, TRS eighties, playing Oregon Trail and, and hot dogs, you know, football stand, and, and all of these other games that that uh, made learning fun. And you know and now because kids are, are more uh, apt to look at, Computer screens and they're just used to looking at screens, um, you know, on mobile devices all the time. Obviously, you know, mixing education with that is is a great thing. Now, the the problem with Apple is, is something as you, you've already alluded to, Jason, which is the fact that the barrier of entry, the 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 cost, uh, the cost associated with Apple products, is a great barrier of entry um, for for lots of families, you know, um, on the coast, family make a little bit more so you're, you're more likely to see um, parents buy these types of products for their children uh, but in the middle of the country uh the, the, you know the dollar doesn't stretch as far or the, there aren't as many dollars so they need to make those dollars stretch f- uh, further and that is why uh, the Chromebook has really uh taken taken a hold of of the market because you can get a Chromebook or any kind of uh, Chrome OS or Android device that is compatible with Google's suite of uh, services for, you know, less than 100 uh, so a hundred bucks. So a kid could be using a Chromebook that may cost 199 or $299 in, in, in their school and then can come home and have a tablet that you know, may have cost their folks forty or fifty or eighty bucks, um, and still be able to continue their studies or or work on a project or whatever it is. Uh, that's something that Apple hasn't been able to to match. Um, it's nice this three twenty nine price point, and then of course you get two ninety nine if with the education discount. Um, that's you know that's. A step in the right direction. Um, but I, you know, I wonder if it's going to be enough to really hit the type of, uh, critical mass that, that Apple is trying to, uh, trying to attain with this.
0: Now, Apple will make arguments, and I've heard them that the the gap between the the affordability of Chromebooks and iPads is not as great as it seems because they're usually the iPad stuff is usually done on a lease over three or four years, two, three, four years, and there's residual value. So when you turn those iPads back in, the schools actually get money back that they put toward their next lease. Um, so whereas the argument is that a hundred dollar, two hundred dollar Chromebook is, uh, you know, after three or four years, it's basically done and you just got to buy a new one but that's the apple spin on it is yeah well it's not quite as bad as you think the bottom line is you know and it's hard for apple to say this on stage at an education event but apple's never in any market really had the goal of making the cheapest product right like that's just not apple and so when they stand on stage at an education event they can say that they love teachers and they love schools but they're also saying like if you can't afford us, uh, sorry, we're, right? And the, right. because they're not, you, you know, they're not playing the big, the big market share game. The, tra- the 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 issue is that you look at the Chromebook market share and your Apple, and you think, oh no, we're not even in the game anymore.
2: Right? I mean, look, people and teachers and schools will use Google services on Macs and on iPads Absolutely. and Chromebooks. They won't use iWork on anything other than an Apple product. And the thing is, Apple has brought you know a uh, hardware device to a software fight um mm-hmm. it's a <laughs> tough metaphor i got it and it's a good chicago <laughs> metaphor it's the chicago big, way big you go. <laughs> they bring they, they bring
0: an ipad Dempsey. you bring a chromebook <laughs> <laughs>
2: right. <laughs> that's right um but i brought services and you brought you know well yeah you, you brought a pencil I <laughs> yeah right, you brought right. a, pen- well, or, you brought a, a crayon. pencil crayon or a
0: crayon. That's it. We're workshopping this metaphor, but I think we got there in the end. Uh, I brought services, you brought a crayon. Right.
2: I brought services, and you brought a crayon. And then my services work on your device too. Um, look, Google does services. Google, you know, at the end of the day, makes, I think, what, $30 um, on the licensing from schools across the board for the management stuff. and um, But it works. Um, it works. And, yeah. you know, it, you grab at the end of the day, this is you grab the person for life. The student starts with the Gmail address. They graduate. They can take that address with them going forward in terms of email. Teachers love the um, shared stuff. And let's face it, Apple was very late to get into the game with collaborative stuff. So uh, they're just coming from behind here. And this, to me, is about services. And and the irony about this all is buy an iPad. Great. As long (laughs) as you use Google services Google is happy. Yeah, Uh, They don't care whether you're using a Samsung Chromebook or um, an iPad, as long as you're using the associated services that are out there. But the problem that Apple has is Chromebooks are cheaper. I mean, I'm looking at a Samsung Chromebook right now that has a 12.3-inch screen, has a keyboard, comes with a pen, flips back into a tablet, and costs around $300. The equivalent Apple device would cost around $450. Yeah, Um, And I could buy a Chromebook with lesser capabilities down to $129, at least from what I looked at this morning. And at $129, mm-hmm. using the same set of services, almost every district is going to say, yeah, we're going Google um, because the price point. But I will right. throw something you know, in here as well. And that is Apple's ability to tell the market what it needs, even before it knows it needs it. I don't know of any teacher that said, wow, I need a virtual reality frog dissection (laughs) application for my curriculum. On the other hand, I don't know of any consumer that said, hey, I need a thousand songs in my pocket. Um, The question is, can Apple convince those marketplaces that are constrained by budget they're constrained by education they're constrained by training that these things are as important as a thousand songs in your pocket and i just don't i just don't see it i mean the stuff they showed was great and man i wish i almost wish i was back in school again but not really um because i hated school <laughs> um, but i mean the stuff they showed is just amazing and unreal and i'm just thinking man like no, I, I I consult the schools. There's no one who's looking at this stuff.
1: Uh, they're happy if they can teach reading, writing, and arithmetic. Right. Well, I mean, that's the thing is is you you can't take uh, you know the way Apple markets uh, their products is is as something trendy for the consumer, and it's it's easy for someone to make a a uh, passionate choice. By picking an Apple product because it makes them feel cool uh, versus, you know, in education, we're not, I mean, it's, it's the antithesis of cool. Um, You know, this is, this is where you learn, this is where you do things. And they're not, they're not making passionate choices when it comes to um, making bulk purchasing decisions. Uh, So, so again, it, it really comes down to cost. And if, if I've got the available suite of software uh you know I just need a piece of hardware I need a piece of hardware that can run this thing that cost that is at the lowest of my bottom lines because these things will get destroyed, these things will get lost, um, you know, these things will need to be replaced, and I don't. If I can get them as cheaply as possible, that's what I'm going to use, and that just makes sense. Right. And, and
0: Apple's counter argument would probably be the, the their sales pitch would be ah, but don't you aspire to do more than use Google Docs? Don't you aspire <laughs> to have that frog dissection and that augmented? reality and that swift coding thing where you have a drone and all of those things. And I think in some schools, especially if they've got more budget, that probably does work on them because there's a whole argument we're not even having here that we don't have time for, which is like, what is technology in school even for? Is it really effective? Is, is there value in teaching people how to use Google spreadsheets? Is that what schools are supposed to do? It, or is it supposed to be more of the creativity stuff? I mean, I can see why Apple is leaning in that direction saying well no actually what, what what this is good for is letting your kids shoot video with an iPad and then edit it and produce something because they're you know that's a more creative uh, task but that's that's kind of how Apple has to do this is look at all of this whizzy stuff that you can also do Is't that inspiring and now you can draw on the screen and all of that although the fact is you can do a lot of that on a Chromebook too. So.
2: Look! Look! Apple has always been about an aspiration. I remember seeing yeah. keynotes. Um, Jason, you were probably there when GarageBand was introduced. Sure. I think it was John Mayer who was the uh, musical guest. Absolutely. And I and I walked out of there thinking, wow. The only difference between me and him is GarageBand. I've got to go <laughs> download this thing. I guess that's all that is separating me between me and him. Creating is hard, and most people aren't creators; they're consumers. That's why we call them consumers. So it's great. The aspirational stuff is great. You know, I, I did my master's thesis way back in 1987. Boy, am I dating myself on computers and education. And the reason I got my master's degree, cause no one knew what the hell I was talking about. Um, <laughs> and it was mostly done on, on mockups of hypercard on a Mac plus to show in theory, what could be done eventually one day. And in, the important thing was, wow, what happens when I can give kids the answer to any question that has a factual answer immediately and what they could do with that. Um, the idea of shooting videos or drawing pictures and, and all of the other stuff, that's just, I, I hate to say beyond what most people can do. Um, I know I once was tasked with doing a 30-second video as a public servants announcement, and it took weeks and hours and and, and tons of people before you get something usable, and at the end of the day, that's not a skill that most people are looking for when they apply for a job. They want to know that you can write well. They want to know that you can understand what a spreadsheet is, perhaps give a presentation. It's those core features. And I I also think Apple is being a little disingenuous when they were talking about the 200,000 education apps, because define an education app for me, please. And ignoring (laughs) the fact that almost every Chromebook today runs the Android App Store, which has a ton of applications, and I'd be really hard-pressed to find something that doesn't exist on the android app store that only exists on the app store for ipad or the equivalent thereof at least again from an educational perspective so i thought this was great and i was like really excited and i was going wow i wish i was back in the classroom look at all the things i could do except i'd be the only one there with an ipad because these things cost 450 dollars so what you're saying is
0: in the future all people will just do all their work in clips Right that that's what the future Apple wants yep.
2: I didn't even but, remember there was a thing called clips until the yeah, up.
0: apparently some people uh it really surprised me how popular it seemed or how popular they pitched it to be
2: in the classroom. Jason, did you ever use clips for anything? Let's be clear.
0: Uh, i'll just i'll just say it i have never downloaded or launched clips in my life and i am a professional apple uh, writer i i just i keep meaning to get to it because it was a thing that was announced when i was thinking i was traveling somewhere and i was like oh there's a new app and like whoop, just I, never i
2: so i can say i've downloaded it, i've used it i deleted it <laughs> because uh, again maybe it's just us we're the only people we're old um, people in the world that haven't used clips to do all these great things okay we have more to
0: talk about about this apple event but i want to take a brief break before we do that to tell you about our first sponsor this episode of download is brought to you in part by squarespace enter offer code download fm at checkout to get 10 percent off your first purchase make your next move with squarespace squarespace lets you easily create a website for whatever your next idea is with a unique domain award-winning templates and a whole lot more whether you want to create an online store a portfolio a blog whatever you can think of you can make it using squarespace and it's an all-in-one platform what does that mean it means that you don't have to hire a designer hire a sysadmin pay for a web server somewhere. Make sure that the sysadmin is checking in on retainer every so often to make sure that your site stays up and that it's got the latest security patches and all of the things that go into making a website happen. Squarespace takes care of all of that. All you have to do is log into Squarespace and make the website you want to make. That's it. And if you do need help doing that, they've got award-winning 24-7 customer support. They let you quickly and easily grab a domain name for your website, all those templates that you have access to to they're award-winning they're beautifully designed they look great on mobile they look great on desktop to show off your great ideas plans start at just 12 dollars a month but you can start a trial without giving them your credit card or anything like that just by going to squarespace.com when you decide to sign up use this offer code downloadfm one word and that will get you 10% off your first purchase and that will get us Good feelings, because Squarespace will know that you listen to download. Thank you to Squarespace for supporting. Download, Squarespace, make your next move, make your next website. By the way, one of my things that I really was amused by in Chicago was the fact that the one Mac announcement that was made was the fact that their classroom app for teachers is moving, is going to be on Mac as well as iOS. And I, I chuckled at that because every time I go into one of my kids' classrooms, the kids have tablets and the teachers have have mac laptops because they're like me like all of us you know they're old people who remember right. <laughs> computers before there were tablets <laughs> and all of that and i thought that was a a knowing gesture by apple to the fact that the teachers probably are grumpy about having to use that app on, on an ipad instead of on their mac
2: yeah and if, and, and if i had to say like a basic skill that was required going forward is Learning how to type on a keyboard, even if you're just like, you know, a hunt and peck typist like me, you got to learn how to use that thing because that's what you're going to get in the real world if you want to do anything. You know,
0: there is an argument to be made that the as time moves along here, the students of our world are less and less interested in physical keyboards because they have grown up typing on uh, Glass. I'm not sure I buy that argument, but there is an argument to be made there. That said, my daughter, born in 2001, uses a MacBook, right? And that, and my son, even though he's had an iPad almost his entire life, um, he also has an old laptop of mine, and he uses it all the time. So, you know, I I, I get the idea that that the, the youth are uh, more inclined <laughs> to type on Glass. I'm still not convinced that they want that that um, physical keyboards are only, um, their only superiority is that they have existed for a long time and they're embedded in the culture. I still have this belief that a 10-year-old kid can look at a physical keyboard and say, oh yeah, that's actually way better to type on because it's way better to type on so far. Yeah.
2: Any, any, human, any human being will type on a keyboard, uh, a physical keyboard and say, yeah, this is better than an on-screen keyboard. I don't care how slow you type. And, Again, I don't care if we're in the 21st century, you still have to type stuff and, and words and texts and letters and numbers are still important. Um, so, so that keyboard is kind of important. Well, you know, maybe, well, I think it's 23rd century that this changes, but that's just me.
1: Yeah. I, I mean, I think there, we, we may be the grumpy old men here, but, yep. uh, there, I mean, uh, as, as voice recognition gets better and better, I think there may be a call for just, you know, not even physical inputting of any type, like not even screen inputting. And it'll just be using your voice. So coding, using your voice. So here's a weird thing. um, And I'll go back like
2: decades. and Really, yeah, myself as an old person, at one point in my life, I had a secretary and she was called the secretary, not an admin, a secretary. And I had something called the dictaphone where you would basically pick this little gadget up that was roughly the size of an iPhone and you would talk into it and give it all your thoughts. And then you would give it to your secretary and she would transcribe it. Um, and turn it into text on paper. But here's the thing. I could never get used to it um, <laughs> because talking into a Dictaphone is hard because your brain thinks differently than it does when it's writing or goes out on a keyboard. Yeah. Um, and it just is. Um, if you write something, it's different. If you keyboard something, it's different. If you have to put something into a Dictaphone and then... Well, think of, well, back up. Oh, Hold yeah. on, Hold on. Yeah. Strike that. <laughs> yeah. You, you see the point. You see the point I'm making there. Right. It's, it's hard to do. I mean, and it's great if there's no other option. Um, but at the end of the day, using voice recognition, which is the 21st century dictaphone is hard.
1: In fact, it's harder than typing and it's harder than writing longhand. So. I'm not buying that. I would, I would say find me a person born in this century that knows how to write cursive. That's true. I mean, you know, find me someone. I've got a coworker, uh, whose first job out of college was working with me. Uh, and we play the game of how have you ever used? So he's never used, uh, he's never owned a watch. He's never, uh, read a newspaper. Uh, he's listened to a record ironically once. Um, he's, he doesn't know the tone <laughs> of a modem. These are, so, I mean,
0: dial like. Dial tone is a good one. What's a right, dial exactly? tone? They he's, have no idea. Phone. He's, 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 right, he's
1: never used, he's never s- even seen a rotary phone. Um, so like, it, like there are things that we can, we, can't even conceive of not having in our lives that the younger generation can't conceive of ever even right. using. So this
0: is the, this is where why the question right now is is it's easy to see it in hindsight, like dial tones and rotary phones. The right. question about the keyboard is like, is it or not? Is it so fundamental because we are creatures with hands that that who you know, have to type letter by letter and that that is a, engages our brain in a way that is sort of fundamental to who we are? Or is it that people who grew up engaging their brain to their fingers to type instead of handwriting feel that that is natural, but that somebody born today will not. And I, I actually kind of agree that um, if you have to bet, bet on things being different, not the same. Um, But that said, it's I'm not – even as a believer in new technology, I'm not sure we're at the point now where you could make an argument to schools to sweep away all the keyboards. I think maybe that's a little premature. But the time may come. Uh, You know, never never bet against change, basically. (laughs) I
2: I agree with Jason, and I won't bet against that. But if you want to talk about legacy, think the fact that we use a QWERTY keyboard and its history and why it's a QWERTY keyboard. But yet we still use it even though we all know it's the most – inefficient way of doing things, Um, (laughs) there's something visceral about keyboarding or writing that psychologists have shown that are different. Um, It's rare you go into a meeting of of any sort where people either don't have a notepad or a um, computer, although computers are typically being banned, or sorry, keyboards are being banned because they're distracting, um, because it's just a way of remembering things better. Um, and that has something to do with it when you simply take it down that way. Um, I know I had, you know, cartons of, you know, notebooks that I never, ever was going to back to for meetings, but they were important to capture at the time because they changed the way you remember things. And uh, I'm just not buying it. The keyboard's going to be around. And uh, I think Apple is great supporting the stylus or the pencil um, and the crayon in this (laughs) latest version of the macbook because those things are all kind of useful but again unless you're going to tap into that entirely as 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 part of the curriculum those things are great um but they're just not what most people will do what most people will learn how to do and the keyboard's still going to be you know i think the most efficient way to put this stuff in. But at the end of the day, it goes back to the services. Um, However you're entering your text or this or that, Um, Google's done a great job of getting people into the Google services model. Um, It took Apple forever to come up with a collaborative situation for um, I work. Yeah. Um, And, you know, the bottom line is I can't think of any school district offhanding is the ones that I work with that are tied into Apple. Um, and even the ones that are, people are using Macs are still tied into Google services because it's just too easy. Um, the other thing we haven't talked about is administering a Chromebook. And as we've been sitting here, I wiped this Chromebook, um, which took about a minute. And I reconfigured it once I logged in stuff. And Four minutes later, everything that I had there, including my Google apps, um, were there. And that's just something you're not getting on any Apple device. And it's something that IT administrators love because it means these things become disposable. I can throw one out. I can have you know any number of, of kids using these things. They just have to log their stuff on. And again, also throughout the Apple privacy thing is... is Sketchy. And and again, slightly disingenuous because Google doesn't track any information that's coming off of the education accounts, at least according to Google. And I think we have to trust them at least as much as we trust Apple. So they're not collecting any data. You know, parents, your kid's stuff is safe. Um, Frankly, better focus on your Facebook account. (laughs)
0: All right. We are going to move on. We got more to talk about, and we're going to get there in a minute. But first, let me tell you about our next sponsor. This episode is brought to you in part by our awesome friends over at Pingdom. The reason Pingdom is awesome, because they keep your sites and the sites you love online. They monitor your site so you don't have to and give you real-time feedback so you know exactly what's going on. Because let's be real, stuff breaks on the internet all the time. My server broke yesterday, and I got a Pingdom warning immediately. immediately about the fact that it broke. It broke because my server admin was installing something on it. So the good news is he knew it was broken immediately. The person I would normally call. So that was lucky because he was breaking it. And so he could immediately fix it. But uh, that doesn't always happen. So I knew before he even told me that it happened. Every month, Pingdom detects Around 13 million outages. That's more than 400 thousand outages every day. Things break on the internet, is what we're saying. So whether your website is small or it's a complex infrastructure, it's very important to monitor constantly. Make sure everything's available and um, and moving well too. That the, that they aren't slowing down. You don't want your site to be down. You don't want your site to be slow. And uh, find out because somebody sends you a tweet saying, "Is the site down?" Uh, you need Pingdom instead. It's easy to get started. Give Pingdom the URL you want to monitor, and they'll. Take Take care of the rest. Go to Pingdom.com slash Relay FM right now. That's dot com slash relay FM. You'll get a 14-day free trial, no credit card required. And when you sign up, use the code download at checkout to get a massive 30% off your first invoice. Thank you to Pingdom for your support of this show and all of Relay FM. Let's talk about Uh, games a little bit. GDC was last week um, and Cicero mentioned this as a possible topic and I think it's good to bring it up. Microsoft is going to be publishing its own games via the company's Xbox Game Pass subscription. So Netflix for Microsoft games at a whole other level, future games including Sea of Thieves will be available via subscription on the same day they're available to purchase at retail stores or through the Microsoft store. Um, Meeting what the company claims is a huge demand by its customers. It's 2018. And everything is a subscription, Cicero. So, what do you think about this uh, this move by Microsoft?
1: So, when it when it was first announced, probably about five six months ago, I was you know I was kind of ambivalent towards it um but then uh, with the release of Sea of Thieves uh 2 weeks ago uh, or last week um I I decided to jump in and this literally the second I downloaded I subscribed to Game Pass and downloaded Sea of Thieves uh so you get a 2 week free trial of uh Game Pass it I it immediately clicked for me Immediately. I don't know what it was, but, it, but as soon as that happened, I was like, Oh yeah, this is not only does this make sense, but it's brilliant. Um, and it is the, it truly is the wave of the future. So, I mean, the way it works is, uh, if you have Xbox Game Pass or Microsoft's Game Pass, I'm not sure how it's branded. Uh, it is $10 a month and they have this entire library of games that are available to you where you can, uh, download those games directly to your hard drive local So you're able to play the games. And as long as you uh, are continuing to pay for the service, much like Netflix, um, you have access to those games. If you want to purchase those games, you can purchase them directly from the store uh, for a discount because you are a Game Pass member. Um, And Going forward, as you said, Jason, all of Microsoft's first party games will be available day and date, uh, with their release on, on the Game Pass service. And the reason that this is so great with Sea of Thieves is because Sea of Thieves is a, is a game that, uh, you know, has launched and is, is a very kind of, amorphous open-world game that will uh, that will grow and develop over time as the as the community kind of does different things with it and de- developers are able to see how the community interacts with the game they can add different things to it um, a game like that uh, normally would cost uh, a consumer 60 bucks and they would get the game home and they would say well you know what the game is fun it looks pretty blah blah blah, blah. but there's not much to do uh, you know I was Able to play for a weekend, and I feel like I've done everything that I could possibly do in this game. Um, You know, save, rinse, and repeating the 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 quote unquote grind of uh, a lot of open world games. But playing this game in ten dollar a month increments, or 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 paying for this game ten dollars a month over you know in perpetuity makes the game a lot more. appetizing uh because you don't feel like the you know the cost associated with the game is that great so you're 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 more apt to just let it grow and and become more er uh organic buzzword uh with with your gaming experiences as you move forward
0: yeah i mean the idea of a ten dollar a month pass when you think of what games cost now i mean that is the cost of two Standard $60 games over the course of a year. And I realized that, that maybe the $60 games you're buying are not going to be in Game Pass, but enough uh, that it doesn't need a huge amount of value over the course of a year to make it worth it. And there is that psychological element. I'm so glad you brought that up, which is there's also that like, how do I grind out my money's worth from this game that you don't feel if it's part of a subscription package? I was talking to somebody about Movie Pass, and what yes. they said to me was, um, I went. They, what they said was, I, I went to see Pacific Rim 2, and I would have been so angry if I had bought a ticket at the door, but since it was just part of my MoviePass subscription, because they hated it, I just walked <laughs> out. And I thought, that's really interesting, because that's entirely psychological. I mean, because you did pay for the movie in so many different ways, but they didn't feel as bad about not liking it, because they're like, yeah. It's just MoviePass. It's fine. No skin off my nose, which I, it's fascinating. So everything's a subscription now, I guess. Do you think people are gonna, are gonna embrace
1: this? Uh, you know what? Uh, yes, uh, they have. Um, the, the, the number of downloads for, uh, Sea of Thieves has been overwhelming. I think, uh, some, some people out of Microsoft, uh, Aaron Greenberg, uh, recent, just recently tweeted that, uh, it is, been the most downloaded IP um you know new IP from Microsoft this generation already uh and you know the game's been out for 10 days um, so, so yeah, it is, it is, people are really, really embracing it. Now, you know, whether or not, uh, those people will stick around, you know, time will tell. But like, uh, as, as, uh, co-host of mine, Sharif Jackson tweeted, he's a PC gamer, but he said that he signed up for Game Pass, uh, and he plans on keeping it for six months, which is the same price of Sea of Thieves. And well, within go. those six months, you know, who knows what he's going to be able to find as a result of having the game pass and maybe there'll be games that that he that he finds uh as a you know as a game pass member that makes makes the value of keeping game pass you know in inter- uh, you know
0: great forever michael what do you think about the subscriptionification of everything
2: <laughs> yeah um you know as someone who worked at research firms and research firms would sell their stuff on a subscription basis. I can tell you two things. One, Wall Street loves subscription models because they're predictable revenue streams. Um, and you talk about things like net contract value increase, which is essentially how much can I take my existing subscription and go it forward. So, yeah, it's a no-brainer, as long as you have the content there. When Netflix first came out um, with an online service, it was done through a Roku box, which you had to pay for $79 for, and you got access to a bunch of really like B-grade titles that no one wanted to watch. And that's changed rather quickly, to the point is, I don't know anyone who has a Netflix subscription gets discs through the mail. Um, subscription services... Work and movie pass was a great example. And I'm a movie pass lover. Um, one I have too much time on my hands, but I saw Pacific Rim twice and I really liked it. Um, hated Tomb Raider. And as far as I'm concerned, if I see exactly one movie a month, um, I'm ahead of the game. As long as I don't buy, as long as I don't buy popcorn. Um, (laughs) and I'm ahead of the game and I can see, you know, it it used to be that, all right, I'll wait until that movie's available on iTunes to rent because there's no way I'm spending $15 to see this movie. And now it's like, I got to get into the theater to see this thing before it gets on iTunes. Um, (laughs) because, you know, it's out there and subscription services. Uh, do work. And, and the other part is psychological. Consumers don't factor in the total cost of subscription services. They look at, I'm getting you know, movie is like, okay, that's $10 a month. And I look at Xboxes, well, that's $10 a month. Um, if I ever sat down and thought to add up all of these things, I would probably be freaking out in terms yeah. of the money that I'm spending, but I don't. Um, so I think what Microsoft did was brilliant. We've gone beyond the idea of, okay, if I want to play a game and get the experience of Galaxian, it's 25 cents. Um, if I want to punk down money on a game that I may or may not like, it could be $60 or more. Um, this, if, if you're a gamer or even a almost casual gamer, the service is, brilliant for microsoft and i think this is the future of what we're going to see hit game comes out i play it i enjoy it um and you know i'm the type of person that doesn't play games at the very end i want to get a couple of hours worth of gameplay it's fun and now on to the next thing because it's lost my attention but damn i've got 60 dollars invested in this thing so i agree um i think this thing. I was skeptical at first, but after using it, I'm also saying, yeah, this is fantastic. Um, the key is Microsoft's going to have to evangelize it, as what we've said is it's you know Netflix for video games. For people like video right. games.
1: The 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 funny thing is, I, I think that Microsoft's really got a uh, a great selling point here, and you know, in this generation right now, we know that the the PlayStation Four is is selling is outselling both the Nintendo console and the Microsoft console almost two to one uh, when it comes to you know w- w- when compared to the Xbox One. Um, they, they have a great selling point, uh, selling feature here with, with, uh, Game Pass. You can buy a, an Xbox One S for 200 bucks. Um, for another $120, you can buy Game Pass. And now you've got all these games that you have access to for 60 bucks. Uh, you can buy Xbox Live, which gives you access to four additional games uh, a month, um, for you know for free, and then as a uh, console exclusive. They have a partnership with EA for their EA access, which is a very similar type of uh, service that is $30 a month where you have access to all of EA's library of games. Um, so, you know, if you add those things together, this an additional $210 for $410, you have a year's worth of gaming, and you've never bought a game. Yeah, it's simple. Play two games a year, you win.
0: Yeah. It, it, my, yeah. my one thing I wanted to mention, because you mentioned uh, Xbox Live, is that right. feels like something that they need to clean up at some point. Like that that cuz I looked at this and I thought, "Okay, wait, so now I'm going to have to pay for Xbox Live in order right. to enable certain kind of like network play, plus I'm going to yes. need to pay for th- pay for this service in order to get the content and like I feel like maybe at some point Microsoft's going to need to do some consolidation or simplification or rolling one service, you know, making it part of the other service so you're not you don't have two bills that are renewing at different times. I don't know. I I, I like simpler products and it seems like they've got uh, kind of a glut of products that have built up here, but they'll, they'll figure that out in the next year yeah, or two. It,
1: it was, it was the thing that made me reticent to, uh, to jump into Game Pass, um, was like, Hey, I'm, you know, I'm already paying money to, to Microsoft for, you know, Xbox Live. So, you know, why am I going to go ahead and do this other thing? I, I would have loved if they had packaged these things together and said, Hey, for 150 bucks for the year, you get, Game Pass for the year and, and Xbox Live. And, uh, you know, and it's not out, it's it's definitely not out of the realm of possibility that that's something that, uh, comes, you know, their E3 is coming up in a couple of months. Maybe that's something that they announce on, on their stage. Would be good. Look, there's any number of games that I've bought that I've regretted, any number of
2: movies I've gone to that I've regretted. If I go to a bad movie with Movie Pass, I don't feel nearly as bad. If I get one good movie a month, I'm happy. If I get one good movie a month that I might not have seen, but turns out was really good. I'm happy. If I get, you know, one or two bad movies a month, I don't care. Um, and that's the same thing with video games. It's $60 a game. Wow. I, I'm going to research. I'm going to talk to my friends. I, I want to I double and triple check this thing because once I push the button, that's it. I'm on the hook for $60. Whereas for this amount of money, again, if I'm a gamer, um, this is a no-brainer. The question that I think Microsoft is going to have and other companies who I believe are going to shift into this model really quickly are, how do you attract the semi-gamer into this model um, to convince them that it's worthwhile the same way you had to convince me to go back into a movie theater and, Jason, I think it was you who talked about going to see Black Panther and saying, "Wow, this really was mediocre compared to my home theater experience." Oh yeah, <laughs> so that's that's right. Been. We did.
0: I'll, I'll mention also, uh, Cicero was on the Incomparable and we talked about Black Panther, which is a great movie. The movie is not mediocre, but the theater I saw it in, which is generally I think a good theater, and the the sound is really good. But I looked at the black levels on the screen and I thought. Ah, You know, I bet like an OLED screen would do a way better job with this than is being projected. That's that's a tough, tough sell, right? To be like $16 to see a not very good picture.
2: I, I had exactly the same experience, except I didn't feel like when the third time I saw it, I was paying for it. But every time I looked at it, I said, wow. Um, I don't care if this thing has a recline. This theater has a recliner seat because I have a recliner at home, um, <laughs> and my you know seventy inch screen looks a heck of a lot better than this thing does. And frankly, I would have just as soon pay the sixteen dollars to watch it at home. But again, I didn't because it was only nine ninety five a month, right. so I didn't really care. Um,
0: Psychology uh, but, of, of subscriptions is 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 amazing. And I, I wanted to say, you said, what about casual gamers? I'm a much more casual gamer. I'm may- a I'm somebody who I have consoles my son loves playing games I like playing games I don't play them a lot I have to say I think this service is going to be potentially more powerful for less hardcore gamers because they're not going to be somebody like me isn't going to go oh yeah but this AAA title that's just coming out for $60 or $70 is not included I'm going to be like oh my god there's new games all the time and they are really interesting and I'm discovering new games and I'm not as tied into the fact that somebody some studios game is not showing up in the list, because I, if I'm happy and I have games to play, maybe that's all I need for, for $10 yeah. a month.
2: And and most people don't play the games through to the very end, because at a certain point they lose interest. Right.
0: As uh, my friend John Syracuse likes to say about Destiny, you know, it's not a game, it's a lifestyle. Like, I'm not that <laughs> kind of person. I don't dive right. into a game and put 200 hours into it. I put 10 hours in, and I even if it's a great game, I'm like, okay, yeah, I'm done with this. And that's easier to do for $10 a month. Ways. Absolutely.
2: Easier. and ten dollars a month as we rationalize it says hey that's two lattes a month and i could be playing yeah. games i had of fun course, right. it was bu- worth ten bucks of, of, right. of course i'm still buying the lattes so at the end of the day yes um, when i look at my <laughs> credit card statement you like, got to be oh.
1: caffeinated to play those games so the other thing that's great about this is is the fact that you have to really aggressively be angry with a service to cancel it so uh you know once they get you on the hook you're on the hook forever. But that's right. That's the, br- that's the brilliance.
0: That's why True. it's so popular. Um, I want to talk a little bit, speaking of once they get you, they've got you forever. I want to talk about Facebook a little bit. But before we do that, <laughs> I want to tell you about our next sponsor, this episode of Download, brought to you by Away. Away is a team of thinkers, seekers, and designers. They made smart premium suitcases for under $300. Your luggage doesn't need to cost more than your plane ticket. And what do you need most while you're traveling? More battery. When you buy an Away suitcase, you charge all your devices while you travel. Both sizes of their carry-on feature USB ports with a battery large enough to charge your phone five times from a single charge. I have two of these suitcases. They're really nice suitcases. Plus, there is the battery in it. Go to com slash download now and browse all their suitcases made with premium German polycarbonate, which is unrivaled in strength and impact resistance, ...and still extremely lightweight. I will tell you that is absolutely true. They have five sizes. They have ten colors. There's a carry-on and a bigger carry-on. There's a medium and a large, and even a kid's carry-on now. They cut out the middleman so you can get first-class luggage at coach prices. There's a patent-pending compression system, which is great if you're an overpacker, which I am. Along with four 360-degree spinner wheels, I will never go back to luggage that does not have those spinner wheels on it. Always, uh, ways carry-on... Is compliant with major US airlines and still maximizes the amount you can pack. It fits snugly in the overhead bin. I, it's, I was amazed the first time I put it in there I was like, oh my god, it fits exactly So I've maximized my space And they have TSA combination locks built in too. It's all approved, you can lock it They can get into it if they want to That's the law But you can lock it for everybody else They also feature a removable washable laundry bag Super clever So you can keep the clean clo- clothes away from the dirty ones uh, Definitely uh, we. Lo- I like it so much we bought a second one I'll put it that way That's my endorsement We liked it so much we bought another one So that my wife and I could both have them uh, there's a lifetime guarantee if anything breaks they will fix or replace it for life they have a hundred day trial with a no questions asked return policy with free shipping on any order within the lower 48 states of the u.s travel smarter with the suitcase that charges your phone go to away travel.com slash download and if you use the code download to check out you'll get twenty dollars off any of their suitcases away travel.com slash download and the code download for twenty dollars off thank you away for your support of this show and all of Relay FM. Now, before we get to Facebook, I have a couple of a uh, couple of items to share with you, dear listener. A story you might have missed, something that may have flown under the radar. The New York Auto Show is underway, and big theme there: technology that was once only found in luxury cars is starting to come down into mainstream models. The new Subaru Forester will be able to tell when you're too sleepy to drive, and will use that same facial recognition tech to recall a driver's individual preferences for things like seat placement and entertainment. Meanwhile, the new Nissan Altima. A car that sells for twenty to 30000 will come equipped with level two self-driving technology, which allows the vehicle to control its own speed, distance from other cars, and keep the car in the intended lane. This is really nice where you see this really fancy stuff go into the luxury cars, but eventually it all comes down to the point where my children don't know that there was once a time when you had to roll down your own window. Now that's just, everybody gets that eventually. I also wanted to share some breaking news that happened just as we got started, which is Microsoft. Microsoft is making changes maybe we'll talk about it next week the chief of Windows is departing the company um, they're reorganizing the Windows group uh, mixing it in with uh, the Windows platform team will be now like part uh, run by the guy who's currently in charge of Microsoft's Azure cloud platform the AI platform work will also move into this team so there's some cloud and some AI and some windows all kind of moving together um, and uh, panos panay the surface chief is now the chief president product officer for all of the first-party devices, Surface, HoloLens, and all of that. So uh, some changes at Microsoft would be interesting to analyze those. We'll do it next time because it just happened. Now, before we go, we have one more topic, and it is more Facebook. We spent a lot of time being very sad and frustrated about Facebook last week. We're going to spend a little more time this week because there's some follow-up to uh, Facebook's very, very bad week. Uh, now it had another bad week. Big surprise. The FTC is investigating Facebook's data practices in light of that whole Cambridge Analytica. Quagmire? Disaster? disaster. I don't know. Uh, in 2011, the company settled charges it shared customer data without clear communication with users. The settlement barred Facebook from making further deceptive privacy claims and held Facebook accountable via auditors. Violations of the agreement could carry a financial penalty of $40,000 per violation. It's not a lot of money for Facebook, but I suppose it could, ask, uh, or it could add up. Meanwhile, uh, Facebook is reported to be reviewing its data policies and maybe making changes that could limit advertiser's ability to target users on the social network and also apparently it was working and this is not a joke on a smart speaker with a microphone of course that would live in your house and listen to everything you say and they're going to hold off on that one for a little while which is probably smart so i wanted to ask you guys has uh you know what has facebook's making moves they're trying to get it get uh, back ahead of this thing have they done enough or is this all just rearranging the deck chairs
2: michael what do you think rearranging the deck chairs um, you know, it, it, I'm an old time Facebook user. Um, someone connected me way back when with Mark Zuckerberg and got me in. Um, and I was one of those 40 something people that were trying to understand this. I remember posting a Facebook question out there, like, are you buying the new iPhone and getting a response from Steve Ballmer saying, no, 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 no. <laughs> um, which was kind of funny. There's a screenshot of that out there somewhere. Um, and You know, it's gotten to the point where um, Facebook's become a little more than creepy. Um, On one hand, you have people like members of my family who, you know, are on Facebook almost 24-7 to see what's going on. And people like me who finally just said, you know what, I'm deleting my Facebook account because the people that I really care about, I'm still in touch with in real life. And these other people, like the people from high school who are listed as my friends, there's a reason I stopped you know, dealing with them in my life. Um, so I think there's a huge backlash on Facebook. And also, um, this is going to affect other things. As people suddenly start saying, oh, my God, what exactly did I click OK to? Um, has anyone or any of you ever read the full, you know, iTunes agreement <laughs> that you click on um, in order to use the service? I know I have not And for all I know, I've been giving them my firstborn son.
1: Cicero, how are you feeling about Facebook? Well, I, I, you know, I think this is the tip of the iceberg um, for all sorts of uh th- shared service applications that we use um yeah the the facebook part of it is you know i've always kind of assumed i just assume the worst so i've always kind of assumed that they were nefarious <laughs> in the way that they've been uh, collecting my data so That's smart smart man <laughs> yeah so um yeah but i you know i mean i think things are going to change uh, with regards to the way facebook Facebook deals with the public. Um, but I think that this is going to open the, the uh, rabbit hole. For, uh, for lots of other companies to be investigated in terms of the way that they've, uh, deal with our data. Uh, and then we'll, we'll start to see that, you know what? Maybe Cicero's line of thinking was probably the correct one because, you know, and first off, the, you know, as we talk about kids, it's the, it's the old people that still use Facebook in any meaningful way anyway. Um, you know, again, yeah. you know, anyone that was born, uh, this, this millennia, they, they only use Facebook or primarily use Facebook to get in touch with or keep in touch with uh, their their older family and friends. The, the only imprint
0: that Facebook makes on my kids' lives is that my daughter is deep into Instagram, right. which is owned by Facebook. But the actual exactly. Facebook is irrelevant. It, They're not on exactly. it. They have no interest
2: in it. So you think, Jason? Until so you discover her second secret, secret Facebook.
0: <laughs> I don't think she's got a secret account. Facebook. I think she's got they, a secret they, Instagram. In fact, I know exactly, she's got a secret. Exactly.
1: They And and right, they have got Instagram and they've got Snapchat and they've got totally. whatever else is the the new thing. They don't use Facebook except to get to get in touch with mom and dad yeah, to, and grandma and aunties grandma. and uncles yeah, and, uncles yeah, and show yeah. Show yeah, exactly. to grandma. Right.
2: The, kids, the kids have gone to Snapchat that grownups don't really know how
1: to use. Exactly. I don't um, understand it. Get off but, my lawn.
2: <laughs> but you know, years ago I was on a, a panel with Eric Schmidt, the former CEO of Google, and someone tossed him a softball, and I thought it was absurd, saying, like, you know, people tell their most intimate details to Google and things they wouldn't tell their spouses, their 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 doctors, their therapists. Like, should they be concerned? And And I'm sitting there thinking about Eric's going to go back. It's like, yeah, what are you worried about? Like we're not selling your data. Who cares? It's all good. And his response was, if you're doing anything online on the internet at all that you don't want other people to know about, don't do it. And I was like, Oh my, what did he just say? (laughs) Um, and uh, that's true of Facebook. So to me, this was just more of a, um, you know, an awakening of people saying, Oh my God, what? But, You know, let's face it, most of us, at least I don't care, read my emails, um, read my Facebook, take, sell my data. I don't particularly care. And yet it still feels creepy and it still feels like why, you know, 2018 is feeling a lot like 1984.
1: Right. Well, the, the second we all embrace the smartphone, was the second we we lost the ability to maintain privacy, and I and and I would argue uh, it was the second we lost the right to maintain our privacy. Um, it, 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 the second, you know, things are out in the cloud whether whether intentionally or but you know by through nefarious means by bad actors um you know from hackers or what have you your data is there your data is there your personal information is there uh your personal thoughts and feelings um they they're all there they're just they're they're ones and zeros now and any and everyone has access to it. Um, and, you know, creepy or not, that's the reality of the world in which we live and will live for the remainder of our lives. And, and, you know, until, uh, Kurt Russell comes down and, and shoots the nuke and escapes yeah. from New York. It's, well,
2: it's, well, I'll end this on even a gloomier subject. And say oh gosh. <laughs> the, the state didn't have to come and find us. We willingly gave it gave all it. over to them out of free will <laughs>
0: that's the uh that's the trick right is it's the uh what are they what are they it's the gold handcuffs it's the velvet coffin right,
2: right. <laughs> and Makes that's it. how that's how it all came to be um it wasn't <laughs> anything nefarious we all just said hey look if we sign up for facebook and we can you know reunite with our friends from elementary school mark zuckerberg knows everything about us and can sell it yep so does google by the way right well it's it's google it's look how weird how weird is it when you look in an amazon app in my amazon app at least for me and i'm looking at something and saying okay that's interesting i'm researching it and the next time i go into an entirely different app an entirely different you know website and that thing keeps following me (laughs) yeah (laughs) <laughs> like, you know, did you forget about me? I exist. Or worse, what I've discovered is I'm a competitor to that thing that you've looked at. You sure you don't want to buy me instead? Um, so... Yeah, that that aspect of it becomes more than a little creepy. But on the other hand, I still like the fact that I can go to Amazon and click on a number of things, and they're here in two days for free, and I don't have to go to the mall. So yeah, you know what, Amazon. If you're following everything I've bought since 1995, good for you. I don't care.
0: See, everybody's got their uh, everybody's got their line that they draw. Well, this story. I know, we'll keep going on. Um, and and I, think, I think the bigger point is that a lot of us felt and like Cicero felt, which is you just kind of assume the worst. Um, the difference is that the general public did not think about this issue. And now they're thinking about it. And I think that's interesting that that uh, every this was if anything else happens here. And I think these practices will continue. And I think Facebook is rearranging the chairs and hoping this all goes away. But I think the public's understanding of tracking is way higher than it was two weeks ago. And that's good. And they're not going to change.
2: Their behavior. No, at all. Did it's you their see, business no? model. Did you, did, did you see today that Zuckerberg said, like, was changing, um, you know, the way certain apps were collecting data and could be used? I'm like, wow, that's like locking the barn door after 50 million horses have left. Yeah, and also <laughs>
0: the uh, there was a story this week about how uh, you could buy housing ads for rent for like renting out apartments and specify the race of the people you wanted to target, which is wow, super illegal, but fa- it was in <laughs> Facebook's ad targeting model, and so people could use use it. And yeah, yeah, it's going to get stuff like that's going to keep coming out because it's, it's built stuff built by people who don't understand what the laws are and what's right and wrong
2: and just, Hey, we could do this. And it'll keep happening. So we're back to digitally going back to the town that I live, which back in the 50s had, you know, signs that basically said, no dogs, no Jews. Um, Yep. So um, yeah, it's good to know that we have reinvigorated ways of doing these things in a far more efficient way. (laughs) uh, The
1: the interesting thing is uh, over the last week or so uh, watching stuff on Hulu, uh, I've seen ads for Facebook, which I had never seen before. Like, why the hell does Facebook need any type of advertisement whatsoever. Um, but yeah, they, they are. They are seriously trying, you know, full court pressing uh, the goodwill tour for uh, for their corporation for the sake of who knows what. Yeah, uh, But I, but I'll still take the 21st century where I can get
2: the answer to any question that has a factual answer instantly in my pocket um, and all the other good stuff and kind of ignore the bad stuff. I still think we're in a better place with the exception of those murder bots that we call self-driving cars. Hmm. But Jason, I imagine you'll do another segment on that. We
0: did a segment last <laughs> week about the about the U- Uber. Fatal accident, and I'm sure there will be more because that—that's the as we said last week. You're trading a large set of uh, automotive fatalities for a smaller but different set and that is right. a disquieting thing for society to say well it'll kill fewer <laughs> people but they will be different people it's like but that's mm. anyway that's for next time and now that we've talked about Facebook and about killer um, robots uh, I think it's time before we say goodbye for your respite from all of this terrible talk about how, every, how everything is awful it is what we like to call Puppies. the fuzzy Puppies. puppy update and here it is it is. This week, California's governor Jerry Brown adopted a "bordoodle," which is a border collie poodle mix named Cali. Of course, she's been appointed by the governor as deputy first dog of California, ready to scamper in if anything happens to Calusa, the actual official first dog of California. And this is the statement released by the governor's office as deputy first dog and the newest member of the Brown family. Callie will assist the first dog in herding staff at the state capitol and lend a paw around the family ranch in Calusa County. She will begin intensive on the job training with the first dog effective immediately. They posted a picture. Of the two dogs together That is one cute little puppy So we'll put that in the show notes It's adorable, it's puppies Uh, Say no more Because I want to leave you with something That is happy (laughs) And that brings us to the end Of this week's download Michael Gartenberg, where can people find you And the stuff that you do? You can find me at Gartenberg on
2: Twitter Or at um, michaelgartenberg.com
0: All right, and Cicero Holmes Where
1: can people find you? Yeah, you can find me at stuff I'll be stand on Twitter. Or uh, at Spawn on Me or at Discovery Debrief, my Discovery, uh, yeah. Star Trek Discovery podcast. Star
0: Trek Discovery podcast. They were they were flogging that a little bit the last week. They made some uh, little teases. They released a secret scene that's supposed to lead yes. into the second season. Oh, I didn't see that. Yeah, a little a Star Trek. A certain section. A certain section that you might remember from uh, from Deep Space Nine being referenced yeah. a little bit. Yes, it's the good stuff hmm. there. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we're going to talk about Star Trek someday. You and I, Cicero. Yes. That's the face. That's the Facebook section. Yeah, that's right. It is. It is. Mark Zuckerberg set it up. And now they know everything about you on Star Trek. Anyway, p- puppies, 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 everybody. Uh, yes. Stephen Hackett, thank you for putting the show together this week, as always. I'm glad we ended on a fuzzy note. Yeah, it's good. It's good. That's why we do it. We have to do it to stay alive. And and it's for our mental health. It's a little mental health break. A little dystopian there for a bit. Yeah. Yeah, it happens. It's 2018, man. Um, thank you to everybody out there for listening. I was in Chicago this week, and I had so Several people come up to me and say, I really like Download, which is sweet because we do this and we release it into the void and we hope people like it. So thank you for listening. I hope you like the show. We'll be back next week. And until then, as always, we will watch the headlines so you don't have to. Goodbye, everybody.